Karen over here, like flowing it up with prophetic tones and intonations. And wow. I love the red guitar. Thanks, Em. Wow. Well, it is 20 days and 12 hours till Christmas. Just so no one's confused about how the Christmas countdown works, you know, for me, you can do it your own way. But at this point, I start getting corrected because people are, well, like they count the date or whatever. Just so you'll know how I'm counting it. You know, there's 12 hours left in this day. And at 12.01 a.m. on the 25th, it's Christmas. So I don't count Christmas Day. And I will be up when the clock strikes midnight, just in case you're wondering. I'll probably be watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas, like the old school version. Because his heart went boop, 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 boop. Anyway, kindness will do that to you. Um, and in fact, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. Isn't that true? Ah, I love you guys. It's good to see you here. Well, it's December. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of December. I mean, you know, as a kid, I mean, I was born in December as well. So this is just kind of, and I like this time of year. I, I really like. And the Christmas season is upon us. You know, we... Life is made of seasons, right? I mean, it's not just holiday seasons, but there are just a lot of different seasons that we go through. We're all in different places and spaces in terms of the season of life that we're in. And and even in that context, you know, you can have a season of life like when you don't have kids, or you're pre-married, or then you're married and you got kids, and then your kids are like older, and then your kids are having kids, and uh, and then get off me. <laughs> We go through all kinds of different seasons, but not even just those seasons. You know, in, in the context of those seasons, too, we have other things that we encounter or endure, seasons where, you know, maybe we're healthy and times when we're not, and times when we feel great, and times when not so much. Different seasons, things that we endure, difficulties. I think it's important even sometimes when you're just giving someone counsel just to say, you know, times and seasons, man, those are in the hands of God. And we go through wildernesses too. And it isn't even so much that God purposes them, but though that that's possible that he could, but even more that, I mean, he can set us aside to those times. I'd rather think that those were times when we're called apart to uh, intimacy and there's a bit of a seclusion in that at times, but that can feel like a wilderness. But but even that there are just times when, well, as Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, that all things come alike to all men, to the good and to the bad, to the clean and the unclean. Good things and bad things happen to all people. We go through those kinds of circumstances that can be a bit like a season. Christmas is a season, though, not even in as much as it's just a holiday, but it's just a hopeful time. I'd like to say that Christmas, by virtue of what it is about, is a, it's a hopeful time, I think. Um, in fact, it's the one time of the year, and I know I stand at risk of uh, having my masculinity questioned, but it's the one time of the year that I will watch uh, what might be perceived to be more of a girl uh, class movie. I was trying not to say chick flick, but I don't know a way to say that, you know, but I might be caught watching some of the various movie networks that are more geared toward ladies because, <clears throat> because mostly Hallmark, but because I watch Christmas movies with my with my girlfriend, who happens to also be my wife, of course. But um, 
And Christmas movies, you know, they can be incredibly cheesy. I'm sure you've noticed that. I mean, they they are... I often finish the lines for the people before. I know what they're going to say. Um, they're, uh, albeit a bit predictable, but they're hopeful. You know, they, they're movies that are hopeful. And there's some really incredible Christmas movies, too, by the way. I mean, they're not all cheesy. Um, but but that's kind of the nature of that. But it's, it is... Please, please bear with me in this, that it is a hopeful season. But... I think kind of the irony is that because of that, even at times, it is it is one of the more uh, difficult times for people who don't feel hopeful or who, because of things that have happened, have lost hope in certain areas. It is a time when people tend to be more depressed or or discouraged, maybe not even always depressed, but discouraged or heavy. I was uh, chatting this out with Lori. The other day we were talking and I was saying that when, when we, we just went home for Thanksgiving that I really struggled. Home for us is Arkansas, so we'd gone home to see my mom and I was just really struggling uh, just to feel as joyful, which was, you know, I mean, man, I'm telling you, you preach the top ten most common joy thieves, get ready. Oof, boy, I covered the list last week. I was like, what? You know that thing where you say, I'm not complaining. Wait, that was... <laughs> If you got to say that, you probably just did. <laughs> but I just struggled. It was, it's interesting, too, because I think a part of that is that, um, you know, we have triggers. We talk about those when in Dwelling Place, if you've ever been to one of Rick's Freedom uh, from Strongholds conferences, and we talk about flesh patterns. But I, so, I sometimes use a phraseology in that that just talks about triggers, things that set up an emotion in us, right, that thing. And... Um, well, I'll give you a for example in that real quickly, and I'll jump into this word. But it would be like a food that you had eaten when you weren't feeling well. Normally, it isn't the food that made you sick, but let's say that you ate a certain food when you weren't feeling well. You know what I'm saying? And then you got sick because of the food, and you don't ever want to eat that food again, right? And it's the weirdest thing. Like, it was probably one of your favorite all-time foods, I, when I was a kid, I got sick one uh, summer on cornbread and black-eyed peas, which my grandma made, and I loved that. And for, you know, a decade, I couldn't stand the smell of black-eyed peas. But the black-eyed peas didn't make me sick. But it was kind of a, an emotional trigger. Ooh, that makes me nauseous, right? Right, right, right. And I'm telling you today that there are some of those things in our lives that are like that. For me, going home, because... In the last few years, I lost my dad and my oldest sister, and I haven't been there very often. So when I am there, it just seems weird that they're not there. And the rest of the family has lived there that whole time, so they've gotten accustomed to them not being there. And, and it's more than that, too. There must be some other things. So I actually came home, and I said, God, I want you to help me deal with this. I want to find out what those are. What, what are those things in me? Because I know that's not your will. That does not have the fingerprint of God on it. And, and the Lord and I are working through some stuff in my quiet time and in my journal and prayer. And when I go home for Christmas, I'm about to have a great time. Because that is my destiny in that. It's not the plan of God for me to continue to struggle to, to sit and chat to my mom, you know. But I understand that the holiday season can cause that in a lot of people too. You come into Christmas and maybe there's something, maybe it was a hurtful thing from your family history or whatever. But here's really what I wanted to say, was that what Christmas is really about is what should bring us hope in every season. 
I mean, Merry Christmas, you know. Because what Christmas is about should bring us hope. Not even in just the holiday seasons or the different seasons of life in terms of our chronology, but in whatever we experience or go through. I want to encourage you today that you're meant to have, to be able to have hope. And certainly in this season, but again, I will say, and I know this sounds like an optimistic statement. It isn't. It's a statement of faith, but that we can have hope. We can have joy in every, every season. And here's the reason. Because he came. Because he came. Jesus came. I've been, it's interesting the last several weeks that I've been sharing here in Dwelling Place. I feel like every week it's been really simple. Like I get these really simple assignments. Go tell them to come to me. Or whatever. And this week it was, I want you to go tell them I came. Like whatever lie the devil tries to tell, however the folks are feeling or whatever folks are encountering, you go tell them, I came. I kept my promise. I came. I didn't fail to show up. Never have. Never will. He said it this way himself in John chapter 6, verse 38. I have come down from heaven. I mean, he didn't, you know, like getting to show up from just over there. You see what I'm saying? He came down from heaven. He said not to do my own will even, but the will of the Father, the will of him who sent me. He came. I wonder sometimes. I'm a bit of a wanderer, I guess, not in the sense that I roam. I guess I do that too. But but in contemplative times of introspection, I often think about what it would be like. And I wondered what it would be like if he didn't come. What if we hadn't experienced the transformation that grace brings in our world? What would it be like if he hadn't come? Or even if he hadn't come yet? What if we were still living under the old covenant? See, I don't feel real good about my chances as an old covenant Christian. I'm not a good detail dude. The law, ooh, I'm not so sure how well that would go for me. But he came. He did come. Then, another point for pondering. Since he did come, what does life look like? What are the possibilities? What can our lives look like? What... I know I say this often, what could our lives, can our lives, should our lives live like? Because he came. I mean, he did come. So since he came, what should our lives be living like? I think I want to take a shot at answering two questions this morning that will answer those questions for us. Number one, why did he come? Why did he come? You know, he didn't have to, right? The Word of God says in John ten seventeen, and in fact, Jesus said, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me. Or in other words, no one made me do this. But I lay it down on my own uh, in initiative. He says, I have authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it back up. This commandment I received from my Father. He chose it. He had the authority to choose, and he did, and he chose to come. Why? 
Well, number one, I'll give you four. Number one, he came to seek and save. Biblical basics, but incredibly important truth. He came to seek and save. The scripture says in Luke 9, 56, 6, the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Contrary to the message that some have chosen to believe, he didn't come to dictate or mandate or destroy, but rather he came to help and to hold and to heal. Came to seek and save. He left the 99 to find me. Insert name here. He left the 99 to find you. Oh, yeah, he's off seeking and saving the lost. We are the lost. We're the sheep that needed help and still need a shepherd. That's us. We are them. He came to seek and save. We're not the only them. That's good news. So we're, I hope, consistently his hands and feet, as the song said, in search of more lost sheep. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come, he said. Did you see that? Check out both verses now. I'm just giving you what the word says here today. The Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to seek or to save. And then Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come or came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came to save us. That's the Christmas story. That's the promise of the Christmas story. It's the promise that the angel gave to Joseph. When Mary was pregnant, the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, Don't be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. That's the Christmas promise. I want for you, Mitch and I are going to be working this month to give you some things to say. We want to give you some things to say. When you are interacting with people during this Christmas season, we want to remind you of some things to say. And not only to others, but sometimes even to yourself. And one of the things I want you to be able to say is, He came. Maybe don't say it in that same intonation or tone, maybe at dinner. He came. Who came? Should we add an extra plate? But he came. Say that. All 12 months of the year, but certainly now opens an extra door to say. You can try it. I promise it will work for you because the Holy Spirit will be in it. How are you? I'm blessed. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. I get that all the time. That's a good one. Yeah, but I am blessed. I mean, because he came. Who came? Jesus. It's Christmas, right? The Bible says he's Emmanuel, God with us. Then, though, when the enemy says, ooh, you, you say, but he came. That's tough on the devil. He likes saying all kinds of stuff to you, and you say, yeah, but he came. Oh, yeah. 
the very name of Jesus in its Hebrew form, Yahshua, means Yahweh saves. And actually, it comes from the Hebrew Yasha, which means to rescue or remove someone from burden, oppression, or danger. My deliverer is coming. Actually, my deliverer has come. I saw a story of a man. There's actually a video. You could Google this. Um that someone had put together about, it's just an uh, allegory about a man who fell in a hole. And as he was trapped in this hole, kind of like a, a well, you know, and he was trapped down in this hole and he couldn't get out. He tried really hard to get out and eventually someone came along and they looked down in the hole and they said to the man, you know, you should, you should meditate. You need to meditate and if you reach nirvana, you could probably get out of the hole. Or, or then another guy came along and said, you know, you just need to pray more and be more diligent, you know, in your, in your quiet and you, you need to just be better and you could and another guy came by and said you're the hole is an illusion you're not you're an illusion you're not really in a hole though none of those things got the guy out of the hole then another traveler came along as the story goes he looked down in the hole and he said hey would you like to get out of that hole to which the man now tired and troubled said yes i would like to get out of this hole and the man threw him a rope down into the hole and then the man climbed down the rope into the hole as the story goes and he loaded the man up and he took him out of his hole he came just in case you were in a hole he came to seek and save that which was lost. Number two, he came to destroy the works of the enemy. The word, again, this is just straight up Bible. John said in 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose. Just straight up Bible. Am I messing you up? I don't remember that being funny. Anyway, sorry for the unruly crew here on the front row. See if you can calm them down. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He was manifested. And in fact, uh, the word of God goes on to say in Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus said this in the introduction of his ministry when he was just getting started. Remember, he quoted the prophet Isaiah and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. To break down those walls. To destroy those strongholds and even take down the high places. And what are the works of the enemy? There are many, but they are certainly deception and accusation and temptation. There are a lot of us today who suffer under the heavy hand of the enemy when that's not necessary and i know sometimes that that's me and it robs us of our destiny and it steals away our rest because that devil is a dog and the thief comes to kill to steal and to destroy but jesus came well he did You know, I've been here long enough now to know a good bit of what goes on in a lot of your lives, and I understand some of the incredible challenges that you face. 
and and great people of faith still face incredible challenges. And we have a battle before us. Hence the words of the Apostle Paul, I've, I've kept the faith, I've fought the fight, I've finished the course. It's not that we should be surprised when it's hard or when there's a battle to fight. There's a challenge to face. That doesn't mean that we're not people of faith and we're not walking and working in the will of God. But then there are different times when the enemy has buttons he can push and he takes the hurts that we have and he uses them to damage us consistently in our heart and in our in our peace and in our joy. And I'm saying to you that Jesus came to destroy those works. To defeat the enemy on his own turf. There's grace for that and we can choose it. And furthermore, I not only want to live in that liberation, but I want to be a liberator. Is there anybody with me? I want to be a Joshua. You remember the, I know that I'll age myself and the majority of you won't even know the group, let alone the song. But for him sang a song that said, I want to be your Joshua. Swing me back and let me fly. I'll be your wrecking ball. Tear down some Jericho walls, right? To destroy. He came. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And he came that we might have life. Mm -hmm. He came that we might have life not only forever, though that's, I mean, that's a big deal, forever. That's a long time. But not even only forever, but now, but first forever. Again, John chapter 6, verse 38 and 40. For I have re-referenced the same passage. For now, I have now come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The will, this is the will of him who sent me. That of all that he has given me, I lose none of them. But I will raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise them up on the last day. Or in verse 51 of same John 6, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, I'll live forever. He came to bring us eternal life. That's, you know what? I don't know how to say that. I don't. I don't even know how to grasp that. If we wrapped our hearts around that, we would break out into the most a ridiculous, spontaneous worship ever in the history of the earth. Because I just told you that he came and delivered to us eternal life. Did you hear that? I don't know what, I, I'm, I don't even know, Michael, what metaphor to try to use to somehow cause us to be able to touch that. What, what should I say? I don't know what to say. Some guy runs in the back and says, everyone, you just won $10 million each. I mean, what would that be like for us? First, we would be cynical. I don't think so. <laughs> but if we found out it was true. And I, I feel silly for saying that. Because even if you could spend it all, what would you do with the stuff that you got? I don't even. I'd go to Africa more, I guess. I, eternal life. I know you're going to be like me. And when you get to heaven, I mean, you believe it. In as much as it is possible, maybe in our humanity to believe it. But when we get there, we're still going to be like, yes, I knew it. I told you. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. Thank you. You know, it isn't going to be like that, though. I'm sure we're going to be unable to speak. At least for a, a bit. 
he came. But not only eternal life, but life now. The thief, again, I referenced this earlier. John 10, 10 does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it. More even abundantly, not even just abundantly, but more abundantly. What would life live like if he came? And in fact, he did. And this is how that's supposed to live. Abundant life. Here's what I believe, though. As I look even in my own life and ours, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we've been robbed. Like even slipped up under our noses and stole away from us those things that Jesus came to bring us. Maybe you've heard the story about a man who got a job working with a security firm. They were hired by a factory that had had big issues with petty theft. And it was a very, very large factory with lots of stuff and equipment. And they inventoried uh, yearly and on the larger scale. And this man got to work for the security firm and he was working the night shift. And the man told him, he said, look, his boss said, you've got to be very diligent, especially here in this beginning, but checking everyone coming and going because the whole reason that they've hired a security firm is they've had issues with petty theft. And the, and on the first night on his job, man, he was checking everybody and not really anything suspicious until one man came rolling along a wheelbarrow and he had it full of newspaper. And he thought, ha ha, I see this right here. And he said, what are you doing, sir? And he said, well, I recycle. And he said, sure, likely story. And he started digging through his newspaper. But in fact, he couldn't find anything in the world barrel but but newspaper and so he said okay he said yeah i go around to all the break rooms and i collect it's a large place i collect all the newspapers and i recycle and he said well i guess that's that's pretty cool good for you and so he let the guy go and every night for the entire year the man would roll out a, a wheelbarrow full of newspaper until then the man was up for his yearly review and and when he was brought in the man said you know we're going to let you go because we've just found out that we've had major theft on your shift. And he said, no way. I check everybody. That's impossible. He said, not hardly. We're missing 365 wheelbarrows. Because the enemy. I mean, he just, he's sneaky. But the word of God says this. In John 8, 12, in fact, Jesus said when that he said when he spoke again to the people, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light for life. He can expose, right, the dirty dog tricks of the devil and help us to see truth. And that's his will for us. He came that we might have life. Yet the enemy would want to rob. Some of us today, man, we're carrying a heart of heaviness when the purposes and plans of God for us, which are irrefutable when we choose to walk in His grace, we know that we will go and see and sow and serve in the ways that God has destined for us. And there's not anything here, what I'm saying, that the devil can do about that. But he lies real good. Number four, why did he come? He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. We could preach a month on that. He came that we could have life, not even just life, but eternal and abundant life. And he came. Why did he come? In its simplest form. He came for you. 
That's why he came. Merry Christmas. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Right? And ransom captive Israel. He came. He came for for you. He came for me. God so loved is still true. John 3.16 is Christmas's passage. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I hope we still teach our kids that that's the greatest. It's the only real Christmas gift. Passing possessions between each other temporally. Hey, and don't, you know, I don't want my folks to quit getting me gifts. I mean, if they want to do that, that's cool. But I'm saying. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have again everlasting or eternal life. And verse 17, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it. Some people feel condemned today. As the sister said, there's, there is, there was and is a bit of a weight of guilt in some lives today and condemnation. And the son of man didn't come into the world to condemn the world. But rather, even in fact, that the world through him could be saved. If you're whoever, according to this passage, he came for you. Look at your neighbor, you're extra quiet, and say, I'm whoever. Aha, you are whoever. Which means what? It means he came for you. He came for you. And he came for you. And I like the red. And he came for you, and and you, and he definitely came for you. He came for you. No, it's true. He came for you. Why am I saying that? Why am I doing that? Because for him, it's personal. Because he came. You know, when I was a kid, they used to say, if you were the only person, he would have still come and died. You know what I believe about that? It's true. Because for him, it's personal. That's why he came. But he didn't only come, but he brought something with when he did. He didn't just show up. When he came, he was loaded with what we needed. You know, we I mean, I hope you come to that Christmas dinner and I hope you bring something with you. You know? Yeah, that would be great. I mean, we're going to bring some food, but I don't think it'll feed everybody. Jesus always brings the same thing. What does he bring? What did he what did he bring? He brought relationship number 1. I'll say that he brought relationship. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus, in fact, said, I am the way, the truth, and the right life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. Listen, we were cut off. We could This fellowship with the Father, this, this right to be called the children of God, to be raised and released as sons and daughters, that didn't happen if he didn't come. Do you hear what I'm saying? He brought that. We were separated by our sin, but he came and bridged that gap. Yeah, he came and he brought something with him. 
he he brought a bridge. And you you might say, well, but yeah, all the things that we face, this cut off, this sin, that that bad action, that's actually a result of the fall. I mean, that's because of the fall. That's why we have all these struggles. That's why we have all these challenges. And and I believe that that's true. Someone said that the the fall cast a pretty big shadow. It does, doesn't it? I mean, when you, when you look in our world, wouldn't you say that the results of the fall are significant and far-reaching? Is anyone going to debate that that's true? Death itself is a result of the fall. But here's what I would also want to say, is that the shadow of the cross is bigger than the shadow of the fall. And he bridged that gap between us and our Father. When he came, he brought relationships. So here's my question for you. Are you walking in that relationship? Because you can and you should. Are you? Are, I know we wear shirts that say uh, religion is against my relationship. But sometimes in spite, we can wear the shirt and still miss the relationship. I'm asking you. He came. He said to say so. Presence is powerful, isn't it? Sometimes you just need someone to be there. Well, guess what? He is there. He came so we can have a relationship. Do you have a relationship? He not only brought relationship, but he brought revelation. Revelation about who God is. And as I often say, when we know who God is, we can know who we are. And not only a revelation about our identity or who we are, but even a revelation. I'm saying to you, that in the moments that make up life, we can know God's heart. Right? Because he brought for us a revelation. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have revelation. They'll have light for life. He brought that. Outside of him, we would live in darkness. Christmas for me is about who God is and about what God brought. Thirdly, he brought redemption. Almost done, Robbie. Can I get you on a guitar? But he didn't. He also brought. He brought with him when he came. He brought redemption. He didn't show up without it. We were going to need that. We we still do. Redemption. He said himself again in Matthew chapter five seventeen. He said, "Don't think I came to abolish the law and prophets." He didn't just abolish. He didn't say, "Oh, never mind. It's not important." He didn't abolish. He redeemed. I don't know where the word redeemed comes. From for you historically, but for me, again, being in my mid-40s, the first place that I heard and used the word redemption was in relationship to Coke bottles. Because those used to be redeemable. I think they still are in Connecticut or something. I don't know. Maine. But you remember, we had Coke bottles that you could bring those back and get 10 cents. Man, I was an industrious little dude. And then when I went to get a soda pop, I stood at the store and drunk it, you know. So my soda cost 10 cents less. Because I didn't get a whole lot of pop in the day. But you could redeem those. They would buy those back. And that's what he did for us. He bought us back. We were dead in our trans- trespasses, the word says. And and we were destined to die eternally without redemption. We He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it, and he did. And in that act of fulfillment, he was for us a redemption. He, John said it this way in 1 John 4.10. He said, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment. The fancy 
biblical word is propitiation, to be the payment for our sin. Did you know that that payment was sufficient? He didn't come up short. He didn't almost get you covered. He didn't throw a down payment on your sin. You got to earn the rest. He brought redemption. I got a parking ticket. Downtown Blacksburg. It's not my first one either. You got to say, though, that dude that rides a bike, he's friendly. He's a nice dude. He will write you a ticket, though. In a minute. 901, buddy. 901 AM. You better have some coins in that meter. Just saying. He's diligent. Props for that. I deserve the ticket. I ran out of I ran out of uh money in the meter. I forgot to pay it though. That's a negative. Then I went to Africa. Ugh. Yeah. About most of the way through that month, Haley decided since I, I guess, kept getting envelopes that said Blacksburg Police Department, maybe it was appropriate to open one. I'm not really sure how that went down, but she uh, contacted me while I was in uh, South Africa, and she said, hey, this letter says that you're about to get issued a summons. Summons is not a word I like, really, um, except when they get ready to call folks to heaven and summon me on, you know. This wasn't that. So I decided I should try to pay that. I tried to get online and pay it when I was in Southern Africa, but I, I every time I put the ticket number in, I put my license plate and whatnot in, nothing. Couldn't pull it up. So we got back here, and I tried to make sure I didn't park in downtown Blacksburg for a minute. And I called. I said, hey, I'm trying to take care of this ticket. I'm really sorry. It's totally my bad. Uh you know, I did tell him I'd been in Southern Africa hoping for a little grace and mercy. And I said, you know, I'm sorry. And the lady said, well, I can't find a record of a ticket, but I don't normally handle that. So let me give you another lady. So I called. She wasn't answering. I left a message. Eventually, she called me back. We played phone tag for two or three days, so I'm still not getting this done. And eventually, I got in touch with her. She said, okay, well, what's that number? I said, I'm really sorry. I mean, this is two months old by now. And, uh, of course, they added an extra $50 and, and all that kind of stuff. Now there's going to be court fees on top of that. And uh, she said, well, I can't find it. I can't find any record of it. And I said, uh, she said, yeah, it's been taken care of, actually, is how she said it originally. I said, okay, well, that's got to be a mistake because I didn't pay it. I mean, the only other person who could have paid it was Haley. No offense to Haley, but I was certain she didn't pay it. She said, well, let me look a little deeper. She came back. I waited on hold for a minute. She came back. She said, well, actually, when it came before the judge and he was supposed to issue a summons, uh, he decided to just, uh, yeah, just forgive the ticket. I said, uh, why, why would he do that? I guess I don't understand. Why would he do that? I said, I feel bad. I should have paid it. I wasn't trying to get out of it. I mean, I legitimately got the ticket. And she said, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I said, well, could I pay it anyway? And she's laughed. She said, no, you can't pay it anyway. <laughs> Apparently that's not a real common response. I assure you in the kingdom it's a very common response. Can I pay it anyway? I do good. 
Actually, <laughs> I love you very much. You don't do that well all the time, but I love you very much. And no, you can't pay for it. I said, can I pay it anyway? She said, no. She said, first of all, there's nothing to pay. She said, it's, it's literally been stricken from your record. It never happened. And she said, and we wouldn't have anywhere to put the money. He brought redemption. Real, real redemption. He came. Did you hear me? He came. And he didn't come empty-handed. Merry Christmas. And he brought one other thing too. Yeah, that. He brought rest. Real rest. Listen, we don't rest that well. I don't rest that well. I mean, there are days when I do, when I I, I crawl up in Papa's lap and I I really grasp the redemptive work of the cross and I, I stand in this relationship that He brought to me and gave to me and has with me. And there are days when I walk in that peace and joy that come and bring me rest, but there are other days when I don't. But I know this, that that's His will for me. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, back to four weeks ago, Come to me, all you who weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can't find it anywhere else. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will. I don't know why, but in my notes, that's capital. You, capital W-I-L-L, find rest for your souls. That's all capital. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. We sang the song earlier, I surrender, I surrender. It's in that place of surrender that we experience the greatness of grace that we find when we walk with our Father because of the gift of His Son. Because He came. I'm going to use some bad grammar, but I want you to know this, that He didn't come for nothing. And He didn't come empty-handed. And that is a source of hope. Not just in this season, but in every season. FYI, He loves you very much. I know, I know. We say it all the time, but it's true. It's true. Father, I just pray right now that accusations would be broken off in the name of Jesus. I pray in the power of your Son, Father, that right now the accusation, the condemnation would come off in Jesus' name and that we could walk in the fullness of freedom in this season and in every season, God. And I pray for the fullness of deliverance, Lord, that, that comes from Your hand, Lord. You came according to Your Word to destroy the works of the enemy, to liberate the captive, Lord. And I pray today that we be free because of who You are and because You came. Because You came. And you stayed. And you're here. Your Holy Spirit is here. Working and moving in this moment.